everyone good to see you all here today let's uh and those of you who are joining us online in our still continued social 
distancing worship. Okay, so let's just stand and let's just praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your presence here. Uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit guiding in a very crazy world that seems like it's uh, been that way for a while. And so, God, as we uh, come to you today, we ask that you just uh, minister to us, you teach us, you um, we learn from you. But most of all, God, I just pray that um, for any of us who are having troubled minds or, um, or hearts that are restless, I just pray, God, that through this and all things that that we will find peace in you and so um whatever whatever's bothering us whatever's there let's just put it to the side and focus on you in your name we pray amen
If you're going to clap, do it. Wonder, 
awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath of living water, such a marvelous Thank you that whatever is happening in the world, that you are still God, that you are the Lord God Almighty. We give you praise in God as we speak in our, in our fourth week about hope for mental health. God, hope is something that many people feel that's so far away. So today I pray that you just give it to us, that it's just not this flippant wish thing, but God, that it's that a wish added with faith brings hope and that brings action. And for that, God, we give you praise. So let's just continue the rest of this time together as your people. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Yeah, I'm trapped in Underwater, can't breathe, suffocating Can't think, yeah, my thoughts be wondering Nowhere to go, guess I'll stand hiding Yeah, yo, feeling so alone The world is kinda scary, so I climb back in my zone Feeling so lost, trying to find my way home Always been an outsider, cast away the unknown I don't know what to do, should I tell my friends? But then again, my friendships may end So I keep it to myself, won't let you in Lord, tell me how much longer before it ends I need to be free to tell I pray the stigma gone, I pray the fear would fail I pray that God will free my mind from this jail cell At least give me some people that I can tell That I can trust Won't write me off as wasted dust I just wish my mind would hush 
Hope for um, Mental Health Series. Um, there's a couple other things that I do want to touch on today. Um, to just, uh, we're going to go ahead and start with our prayer list at this time and lift uh, individuals in prayer. We, again, will conclude that with our Unite 714 prayer of week 34. So um, that's where we are right now. Um, prayers, Bobby Burke asked for prayers for peace and strength um, for the family of Angie Davis, who is her cousin who passed away very suddenly this week. So prayers for Bobby and the entire family. Um, Joanne Cohen uh, lifted up Gary Stump for uh, prayer. He went through his first chemo session and had little side effects, so we're praying for continued um, healing in there, and he, he um, may be able to operate the sooner, so um, sooner than later, so we're thankful for that. Natalie Jarman, um, who is one of our online viewers, um, she, uh, she fell down... Um, fell down her back steps the other day and landed on her face. So she's got to go ahead and check to see if there's any uh, broken bones or other kinds of things. So prayers for her. Reese Nelly asked for two prayers for her daughter, Nikki, who's in the, um, at, in the midst of some things, is battling depression and anxiety like many, many others um, in the world, but continue to be with her, uh, with Nikki, and also pray for her nephew's future father-in-law who found out that he has stage four brain cancer um, and, needs, and they had surgery last week and they won't know for two more weeks. And what's going on there. Rebecca Stecker also asked that we lift up the family of Arthur Rowland, um, who passed away um, last week. And then also Joanna um, Frederick, I almost said Shay, they caught me there, all right. She's a newlywed now. Um, but um, lifting up Gary and Liz, uh, Ashby in prayers for Ginny McGall, and for Jackie and Donnie, and for peace um, around our world and our nation as well. Um, in, in many different things, okay? If you uh, were not able to get your prayer request in, please go ahead and just, you can fill that out online, or we, if you're here, we do have some slips that you can fill out as well. All right, so our, uh, all these things from Unite 714, if you're joining with us, is part of a worldwide um, group that has um, hundreds, many, many nations all around the world joining together, and it is um, so that we can humble ourselves and pray, and God will heal our land. And in the midst of that, we've been doing this for 34 weeks, and what we think is taking a long time is just a little bit in God's eyes. Um, God is moving already, and we, uh, this is for to pray at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. If you want to connect with us, you can go to our, we- our website, havencc.org. We have um, the information that's there every week, so you can download this um, PDF and carry it with you on your phone or in person, whatever you want. Um, but, um, or you can go to unite714.org. And so let's pray. So the first verse, the verse for today is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert 
with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That's from Ephesians chapter 6. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at this critical hour of human history, we take a stand on your promises. We are thankful that you have not left us unarmed. We freshly take up the mighty weapons in our spiritual armory, and that is prayer. You command us to pray. Pray in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So today, we go ahead and use that authority that is given to us in the name of Jesus and continue to ask you, even more fervently, to eradicate COVID-19 from all of our lands. And in the name of Jesus, we command COVID to be mitigated and to finally eradicated from our planet. We also pray for wisdom and grace for the scientists and others who are developing a vaccine. Lord, we pray that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are going through intense suffering. Many have suffered the loss of loved ones and friends, and some are unemployed with no natural hope for our future. If we're not enough, millions of our brothers and sisters around the world are facing persecution, injustice, and bias. And our world continues to be wrecked with the ethnic and social tensions. And God, the numbers are increasing all the more of people that are dealing with all kinds of emotional and mental health issues throughout this time. So, Heavenly Father, we come before your throne today asking you to increase the faith of your people who are suffering around the world. Fill them with your, fre- with your fresh joy and peace. Please give strength and hope to those who are currently enduring persecution and injustice. And in addition, we cry out for fresh opportunities and supernatural provisions for those who are unemployed and those who are struggling under the grip of financial struggle. And finally, God, we pray to you to heal our nation's division through political and racial strife. Almighty God, this deadliest pandemic in the world is not viral, but God, we're going to look at it as being a spiritual issue because it contains in it the power of sin and death. And where there's sin, death always follows, and the message of the gospel is the only answer. So Heavenly Father, empower us to share your gospel, to give us the redemptive words we need to respond to those who are hurting and searching. Please send a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to revive your church and result in conversion of millions and millions upon people around the world. For God, for all of our individual prayer concerns, for those who have experienced loss of a loved one, for those that are beginning processes of cancer and healing, for those who've had accidents, um, and for others who are, are dealing with the issues we've already expressed, God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to interact, and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Uh, a couple things that we do have to mention um, before we get further into our service today, and we are going to do one thing, so I know Melinda will be ready for this, something that we've done several years, because I do not want to go by the wayside with this, but... Um, uh, Sunday school is reopening partially. We've been having partial reopenings. Our next time we will have Sunday school, we've been doing it m- uh, monthly right now, um, is going to be on uh, next, next Sunday, which is November 15th. Isn't that crazy already? November 15th. Um, I've lost a year here. Somebody fi- help me find it, okay? So November 15th. So tomorrow, November 9th at 10 a.m., we'll begin the pre-registration for that if you'll register. And we, we have that social distance. It is limited to 15 children. So please go ahead and, and connect them. We'd love to see. It was great that one week to see kids around um, and to recognize we, and we're making a step to get back involved. But they're doing lots of stuff. Also on um, the 14th from 6 to 8 p.m., 
um, there will be at Milburn Orchard a hayride, and it's a free hayride. Space is limited, but if you have information, you can register online, and you can also uh, email Kate, K-A-T-E, at havencc.org um, if um, you're interested um, for, for them there. So that's exciting, a hayride and a bonfire. Operation Christmas Child today, um, we're, uh, they're turning in today. Um, and there's going to be a packing party right out front after church. Right now we have about how many total? 75 total on there. If you forgot and you're like, ah, I forgot, um, you can still bring those in, get those in. But definitely next week is the final. I mean, we, we're done after that. Um, you can also, if you forgot to collect stuff, you can still donate money. You can also pack, up, pack one online and all those kind of things. All right? Sound good? Um, and if you're having problems connecting and you're not going to be here next week, but you have other information, um, you, have other, you have your boxes, go ahead and reach out to somebody on info at havencc.org, and we'll make sure that you go ahead and get the, make that connection here, all right? So that is good. Um, that there, there's seven, again, so far, 76 lives, not just boxes. We talk about boxes, but they're lives of individuals who, um, who are going to receive that for Christmas and know that somebody, and most more importantly, that Jesus loves them, and that's going to be amazing. And Paris Foundation also on the 15th, and they are needing volunteers to help uh, pack 70 dinner bags for the Paris Foundation. So if you're interested in that, um, the information is, is there as well. All right? Um, I do, I, one of the things that we've always done here is um, we want to recognize our veterans uh, in the midst of everything else that's going on in the world. We forget that Veterans Day is right here, and we also want to um, recognize those who are veterans. So one of the things that we do is we show this video, and um, it's kind of like if you, if you have somebody or are close to somebody who served or you served as well in the service, if you want to, just stand up where you are so that we can recognize you, and at the end, we just want to recognize everybody else. So Melinda, will you go ahead and show that for us?
right, real, real quick, if, uh, if anyone served in the military, please stand. Would you please stand right where you are if you served in the military? There we go. Keith, Keith as well back there. Um, if, if you have someone in your family that served in the military, if you would please stand right now as well. Very good, very good. So let's, we're, all right, very good. Thank you. You can have a seat. We're very thankful that we can go ahead and worship the way we can because of our veterans and all those. So we thank God for them. Don't forget in the midst of COVID, in the midst of an election, did you know we had an election? Just saying. Um, and all the stuff that's going on in our world, don't forget that there are people who are on the front lines every day, okay? So um, don't forget about them, okay? Um, all right, so right up here, uh, if you didn't get a hard copy, I've been given some hard copies the last couple weeks um, since we've been doing this series. If you didn't get a hard copy, many people really like this one, um, even more so. If you have your phone, you can go ahead and QR code it out, and you'll have the bulletin right there digitally. Um, this is not your grandfather's church time, right? Um, but anyway, um, go ahead and do that, and that way we'll be able to uh, go ahead and follow along, um, and hopefully everyone on, online also has the opportunity to pull that down there as well, and so we can connect. But we are in the midst of the fourth week of our series called Hope for Mental Health, and we have been, we've been sharing uh, lots of different things about, uh, about mental health. And just to let you know, this week, whether it is because God wanted it or because I was going through my own mental health issues, um, what I plan for next week, I actually plan this week. I don't know why I skipped a week, I skipped a year, I skipped a week. So, but anyway, this is the this is kind of the one I, I really felt that God wanted me to do, and that's what I prepared for. So we're good to go. So if you uh, if we were thinking that we were going to do something else, so was everybody else except for me. But I, I think it's really good because I think it's about time that we we look at the role of the church in mental health, um, and and we're going to uh, talk about this here today. Um, and so I, I challenge you, not, if you can, not to miss um, in the next couple of weeks, there's some, um, we may have a guest speaker um, that takes part in at least part of one of these weeks to share um, a personal situation and how God has taken tragedy and, and actually done some things with. So um, don't, don't miss on, out on that. I will give you more information as that, as that arises more so. So, um, again, why, one of the big questions is many people may be asking why why are we doing a series on mental health? And the simple answer is because the church has done a very poor job in talking about it um, over the history. Uh, the other thing is, because I, I believe that the church needs to take a lead in the mental health field. And why? And I'm going to give you start off today by giving you three main reasons that I believe that the church needs to take a lead in the mental health, the fight against and with mental health. Number one is there is a biblical reason for this. Um, I, I'm a firm believer um, as the church. If we don't have a biblical reason, then we got to ask why we're doing something. And so the first thing is a biblical reason. And, it's, and you say, well, why is that, Jack? Why, where's the biblical reason? The biblical reason is that Jesus cared about the mental health of people. He ministered to all people in all ways, including those dealing with mental health. As a matter of fact, there was one time that there was a person who many of us may classify them as a cutter now. It said he was in the tombs and he hung out and he cut himself all the time. That is a diagnosis now in the medical field. And, and uh, Jesus came in contact with him and it said eventually that he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. 
that Jesus actually did a supernatural healing on a mental health situation, also a spiritual nature, because what we tend to do in churches and society, we only deal with this triune being, meaning that we are created in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. And often we minister all to the body, or we minister all to the spirit or all to the soul, and we forget that in one of those areas suffers, then the whole being suffers. Jesus, when he sat with this man, ministered to him in three ways, body, soul, and spirit. And that's what put the man in his right mind. So Jesus cared about mental health. Twice in the scriptures, it tells us that Jesus went into every village preaching, teaching, and healing. One-third of Jesus' ministry dealt with health care. He did preaching, and that's evangelism. He did teaching, that's education. And he did healing, which is health care. He cared about our bodies as well. Our minds and bodies are so connected. You ever just felt bad or been in a bad mood and it affects everything else that you had? Or you're just depressed and it begins to affect every ounce of you? Jesus' ministry clearly dealt with people who were dealing with mental struggles. And that's why it says here in Matthew chapter 9, as I said, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So we do have a biblical basis that Jesus himself said, hey, this is important to me, and therefore if it's important to me, it should be to you. The second thing that we have is a historical reason. Do you know that the church has been caring for the sick For 2,000 plus years. It has been a heart of the early part of the caring for the least of these. Most people don't know that the hospital was actually invented by the church. You can go back to the second century and you can find that the church was active in forming hospitals or areas where they could take care of the sick and those who needed help. Back during uh, through our history of plagues and challenges and disease, the church has been on the forefront. There have been time after time that people recognized during the, the time of the Black Plague when other people were saying, stay away from me, stay away, and people had to yell. Even to the ministry to lepers and, and leper colonies around the world, the church actually went into those places. And many Christians actually caught the Black Plague and died by serving and ministering to those who were sick with it and needed healing. And so the church has been extremely active. The hospital was not invented by healthcare agencies. It was not invented by governments. It was not invented by personal entities looking to monetize it. The church was invented by the church as a response to Christ's care to take care of the least of these and those who are sick and those who need healing. It's not an accident that the first hospital in almost every country in the world was started by Christian missionaries. Every single country in the world. Because we have preaching, we have teaching, and we have a healing faith. And so there's a lot of talk about health care. But I still believe if the church woke up, we are the best because we've been doing it the longest for 2,000 years. So we have, we have a biblical reason. We have a historical reason. And we also have what I believe that we really need to get a good dose of is a practical reason. Because when you talk to people who are in pain or conflict or issues, you find out that they say, and statistics often say, that people typically will contact their church or someone who is uh, connected with a religious organization. They will historically call a priest or pastor or a spiritual leader. And, did you, and you say, why is that important? Because did you know 
that statistics show that at least one half of all adults in America will struggle with a mental health issue at least one point in their life. One half of the people. Many of those people, I can tell you as a pastor, uh, struggle and need care 24-7, 365. When we look at Christian mental health issues, because we've had this approach in the church that here we have the church and then we have mental health issues and they're here. Rather than looking at that we are a a microcosm in many ways of the uh, the world, that here are some statistics about mental health statistics um, in the Christian church. 23% 23% of pastors acknowledge that they have personally struggled with a mental illness. A number of pastors diagnosed with clinical depression was double the national average. 45% sought advice from their family doctor regarding stress and anxiety issues. 49% of pastors say they rarely or never speak to their congregations about mental illness. 27% of churches said they have a plan to help families who are affected by that. That leaves almost three-quarters of the churches in the United States don't have a plan at all. 65% of church-going family members of those with mental illness want to talk openly in the church about mental illness and mental health. 59% of those actually suffering from mental issues and mental illness and health have said exactly the same, that they want to talk about it. It's almost 60%. 53% 53% of churchgoers with mental illness say they ha- that their church has been somewhat supportive. 76% of churchgoers say that suicide is a problem that needs to be addressed in our community. 32% of churchgoers say a close acquaintance or family member has died by their own hands by suicide. 4% of churchgoers who lost a loved one to suicide said that church leaders were aware of their loved one's struggle. Only 4%. of Americans would uh, feel they would welcome, they would be welcome in a church if they had mental health issues. And so as you can see, these aren't small numbers. And yet, I I believe the church has done a good job of of sharing what we we want, sharing our our policies and and our programs, sharing our dogmatic deals. But we haven't done a good job of loving people who are struggling with mental illness. And so I start and mental health issues. And so I started thinking about a verse today that um, that I could share in the midst of this. And I'm just going to read this to you. It's written. It's like a little blurb in your bulletin. It just says it. I don't have the verse. The verse is up here. But I want to share this verse to you. It's from um, Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, and it is um, verses uh, one to twelve. And I'm going to read out of the Bible, and let me see, because I'm old, I'm going to grab my glasses, all right, so you'll bear with me. It is a large print, but my eyes are failing me all the more, okay? So here we go, it, um, and this is Jesus forgives and heals the paralytic man, and I'm going to tell you why I have this, so just follow along. Um, I don't even think I have any breaks in here that's showing you keywords. I just want you to hear, hear the scripture, and it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Everybody say four. Okay, four of them. Keep that in your mind. Since they could not get get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat 
um, the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God, God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or to say, Take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up and took his mat and walked out in the full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. One of my favorite accounts in Scripture, I think I say that every week, but I I love this account because it contains, yes, the miraculous that Jesus does, but more importantly to me in this section, it shows me the power of people who love God and love each other, and what can happen, and the healing that can occur when we get there. And so what I want to do is, in looking at this, I want to I just share with you some things that came to my mind and my heart by looking at this. Here we have four friends that take this man to Jesus. Four friends who have a, a friend who is paralyzed, he's on a stretcher or a mat, and they say, oh, great, Jesus is here. Maybe we can get him, get him whole. Maybe we can get Jesus completely, this, this, our, friend, our friend, let's call him Matt because he's laying on Matt. Does that sound good? Okay, we'll take Matt. Let's get our friend Matt, and we'll take Matt to Jesus and maybe be healed. And they get in there, and there's all this stuff in the way. Like there's people in the way. There's a room in the way. And so they say, well, let's climb up on the roof. Because anybody been to, like, to the Outer Banks? You know how they all have those decks that go up on the top of your roof in there? This is kind of like how it was. Back then, they had a flat roof that was probably made of a mixture of mud and straw and other kinds of things. And people would go up there and spend time. Matter of fact, that's where Peter, Simon Peter was when he had the vision from God in, the, in Acts about, the, uh, um, about uh, killing and eating all kinds of things and don't call anything unclean. That's where Peter was, up on top of the roof, chilling out in the day. So what they said is, okay, let's go on up um, to, in Capernaum, which has been their outer bank, go up top, let's go up here, and they said, what are we going to do? And I wasn't there, but Matt's laying there, he's got his, th- his four buddies with him, and they say, well, Jesus was right about here. And they go ahead and they begin to rip off Simon Peter's roof, which I find that very humorous, because Simon Peter had open mouth, insert foot, and he's probably like, oh, Lord, they're tearing up my house here, and he's like, shut up, here they go. And what do they do? They rip it open, and you know, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been somewhere and you tried to dig a hole or tried to get someplace to where you meet and never meet, and so you had the hole that's bigger. So now, whether he likes it or not, Simon Peter has this sunroof in his house now, the skylight, and people are lowering a mat. Now keep in mind, in order to lower that, it, lower that let's say the man was five feet. That's a good size hole. You with me here? Big hole in his roof. Going down, they lower him to the feet of Jesus. And then we have the story of where People are not concerned about what's going on and people ripping off the roof. They're more concerned about that Jesus is forgiving sins and Jesus heals the man. Matt picks up his mat and walks and it's a great story, right? But as in looking about this, there are four friends that display a lot about all of us. And one of the other, and the man, Matt, also goes ahead and displays something that I think we all need to know is that we are all in need. 
We are all at some point met on that stretcher. We are all there and need a little help from each other. And so what can we learn from these four friends? So I'm going to give you uh, four things that we can learn, four things that we can, uh, truths that we can learn about ourselves from these friends when it relates particularly to, to all kinds of, of issues, but particularly we're focusing on mental health. And the first thing is this. What we learn is from friend number one, when you suffer, I suffer. When you suffer, I suffer. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to reduce the fear surrounding mental health and mental, uh, mental issues. And how do we do that? Number one, the church must, I'm going to say this again, the church must remove the stigma attached to mental health. So I want to ask you a question. Why do you think people are hesitant to talk about mental health? Why do you think so? I'm going to give you the answer. It's like one of these things I ask you a question, you think about it, I give you the answer. It's because they are afraid. Because in the mental health field, you're labeled. You're labeled. Oh, that person's bipolar. That person has chronic depression. That person has schizophrenia. That person, um, you can go on and on and on and on again. That person attention deficit. So we get all these, and those labels are big labels that are there that we have. That person's autistic. That person's on the spectrum, right? That's a big spectrum because everybody has met somewhere on there, right? Did you feel that at times? And so, as I see, but when we get that, we, lay, we get labeled things differently than any kind of other illness that we have. So, for instance, if I break my leg, I go to the doctor, and I receive treatment, Correct? If, I, if my liver stops working, I go to the doctor. They give me pills. They go ahead and do different things. And hopefully everything starts working and my sick liver gets well, right? If my heart has issues or stops working, hopefully I get to the doctor and I can get pills or they can do that jump start thing on my heart or they can do surgery or something to take care and make my heart work better. If my body is broken and, and uh, you know, or I, I take uh, ligament breaks or something, I, don't, I, I go ahead and go to the right doctor and they go ahead and help me and then I have surgery and everything gets better and then I have that. And there's no stigma at all for, oh, that person's a broken leg person. You know what I mean? That person, that person has uh, BLS, broken leg syndrome. They, you know, we don't do that. To people, but 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 when we look at this, we wonder why there's a stigma. Why is it then? Somebody explain to me why is it then? Do I feel like I have to keep a secret if my brain is having some illness going on, or if I I, I want to get help for that? And like, oh, they go to a counselor, they go to a psychologist. Why is that stigma there? And I'm gonna tell you, especially in the church, it's there, and it's wrong. It's wrong. It's no different. Your brain is just another organ that's part of your body. So when we have depression and we have bipolar and we have chronic loneliness and we had schizophrenia and all those other kinds of things, we, we end up with a stigma attached to it. And I believe that's probably why 90% of the people who have taken their lives suffer from something like this. Because we make it worse by giving them a, a, a label and rather than helping them, we break them down even further. So many 
who struggle are way too ashamed to talk about this. I've here and I've been asked questions. Can you be a leader and suffer with mental health issues? The answer is yes, because we are all on the stretcher. Can God heal me from this? Yes, God can heal anything. Is it wrong to go to a doctor or a counselor? No, if you're asking that question, get there tomorrow. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. We are created body, soul, and spirit. And so I go to God, and I, go, I get involved in church, and I get involved in spiritual small groups and all kinds of other things to help my, my, my soul, my, my spirit, excuse me, my spirit, to help my, my spiritual part. I go to the doctor, I go to the gym, I do those things to help my, my body. So why would I deny my soul, my will, my intellect, and emotions the same healing that is available for us here and from the Lord? I, I want you to hear this today. It is not a sin to be sick. It's just part of your body. So how do we remove the stigma? By going back to what I shared last couple of weeks. We are all broken. We are all on that stretcher. We must remove the stigma by recognizing it is not a sin to be sick. And we need, how do we do that? By talking about it. To admit that we as leaders in the church struggle at times with things, with depression. There have been times as a pastor that I have carried around being depressed for months upon months upon months upon months. And my goal during those times was like, God, let, not God, let's grow a great church, but God, just get me through Sunday. God, just get me through this week. Get me through this day. Give me through this. Because the weight of depression and anxiety was so heavy. I tell you, I am glad to this point that I have never given up, but I'm more glad that God never gave up on me. Sadly, you heard about the depression statistics double for pastors than it is the national average. And there have been uh, several, several people um, that have come to the forefront over the last year. A man named Jared Wilson, who openly struggled with depression to the point that he, he ministered and, uh, and gave, um, and time after time, shared his struggle and his pain and his struggle back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And uh, last September... He, he, had a, um, he went to his young son's game. He did a baptism the day before, and he did a, fur- uh, a funeral. He even encouraged somebody who, had, um, who was sharing openly about their struggle with alcoholism. And as he was there, um, that, even, that was about 7 o'clock or almost 8 o'clock where he was at his, son, his young son's t-ball game. And, and whatever happened during, that, during those next couple hours changed where the, where the wave of depression came over him so much that he took his own life. This is epidemic, not only in, in, in the ministry field, but it's in every field of, of America. That depression is so high and so large that some people, even, even with God, you see, I, you know, people go back to, oh, well, what about God and what is this? You see, I believe God is greater than our weaknesses, no matter what they are, no matter what our illness is, no matter what our strength, God is greater. But we live in a fallen, broken world, and we are all on that stretcher. And often one of the things that many people uh, believe is that we all have to keep it together. And when we say we've got it together, we don't have anything together. And so, um, sadly, Jared Wilson left behind his his wife and two young children because he succumbed to the pain of anxiety because maybe he reached a point where he felt like he could not because now he was a leader in this field. Maybe he couldn't reach out and tell people, I'm struggling really bad. And that's wrong. We need to open that 
and have that time and time again. God, if you right now are someone that in your life you feel like giving up, I'm going to tell you, don't. Don't give up. Over this last week, I have talked to four different people who said, four different people this week, different walks of life, different ages, different genders, different sexes. I have talked to them, and they have said, I am ready to give up. I wish my life was over. Four people in just this week. And that's people who are telling me this. But I'm saying, if you feel that, like giving up, don't. Because God has brought you this far. And the reason why is because he has a message of hope for you. If you suffer, I suffer. If I suffer, you suffer. This is in the scripture in 1 Corinthians. If one part suffers, we are the body of Christ. If one part suffers, how many parts suffer? Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Sadly, so many people suffer in silence. Several years ago, some of you might remember when I had, um, when I had a bad gallbladder. Anybody remember that? Okay, I do, <laughs> just to let you know. And one of the things I remember about that is I didn't wake up every day going, man, I wonder how my gallbladder is. I hope my gallbladder is feeling well today. Oh, my gallbladder. One day my gallbladder just wasn't saying, it didn't say, um, I'm feeling a little bad. I'm going to go really bad here soon. Okay, I'm, I'm losing. No, one day that sucker hit me in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh, gosh, I need something. Uh, I was in pain. I was in pain. I was like, oh. Uh, like this. Anybody been to gallbladder thing before? All right. It ain't fun. And so I'm sitting there I'm like, uh, uh. so, so I, I, um, I then, you know, said, okay, I'm going to go to class. I was going to teach class. And I walked in. I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. And I went ahead. And then I went to the hospital. And, you know, because when you're sick, where do you go? When your body hurts, you go to the hospital. I could have ignored it. I could have kept going on. But guess what? It was affecting every other ounce of my body. So much so until they gave me morphine right? And when that came in, I was like, this is all good, right? Because that's what we do in our life. When there's something hurting, we take other stuff and try to cover it up. We don't deal with the problem. And guess what happened? They gave me that, and they put me in the hospital, and they had this, I'm feeling good. I needed to get out. I had a wedding. I had a funeral to do, and I, needed, I had things I needed to do. So, all right, you're going to give me that medication? Good, I'll take that. Give me that medication. Give me that medication. And about uh, um, after the fu- after the at the funeral, I was there, and I was like, oh, I need medicine. I need it, need it, need it. You know what? I took medicine, knocked me out. Guess what? They couldn't get me in for two weeks. I, it was a great weight loss program because if you eat a little bit of fat with a bad gallbladder, you feel like you want to die. I laid. I'm sorry. I'm giving you a bad image. I laid in the shower in the fetal position saying, please take me. Why? Because that gallbladder, which I never paid attention to in my whole life, was sick and it was dying and it was affecting every ounce of my body. And no matter what I tried to cover it up, at one point I, had, I was on the maximum amount of medication they would give me, and by the pain I would pass out. And I'd wake back up and continue working and pass out and wake back up because it affected my entire being until that was dealt with. And many of us are living lives that we have this issue in our life and we aren't paying attention to it. And we don't realize that when one suffers, we all suffer. There are so many times that even I have stood up here and preach, knowing that someone I love is struggling and dealing with depression and pain so much that I worry 
if they're going to do something and take their own lives. So I'm telling you, this is real to me, and I know in many of your cases, it's real to you. So based on the fear from the enemy, I'm doing this series right now, because if we get fear and don't talk about it, then he's going to win, and we're all going to be knocked down. As I said, there are days where I wake up not wanting to get out of bed. There are days um, where I'm hearing nothing in my head but the fact that I'm a failure and I've wasted my life. And in those days, I've got to remember that those voices and those things that are speaking to me are there but God. But all those things, if all those things are true, but there's a God who loves me and wants to make a way. Depression, mental illness diagnosis, bipolar illness is not a sin, and it's not something to be ashamed of. And if there's one thing that comes out of this series that we do, I hope that we know that we begin to talk about it a lot more. That num- number one. Number two, we all need one another. We need one another. We must be equipped and educated as well to these areas. As I said, studies have shown that many people will go to the church first. Who do they talk to first? It's often someone who is answering the phone, or it's a small group leader, or it's somebody who uh, was their Sunday school teacher, or it's somebody that did their grandfather's funeral, or it's somebody like that. They will reach out to someone who has some connection to God, and we need to know exactly what happens. Uh, I know Jen could tell you, in small, in, with uh, small groups of youth, they will reach out to you because they trust you and they build a relationship. And so you, we need to be ready. And so that's why Jesus said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must, everybody say must, must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is there anybody who's really good at helping other people but not yourself? Like, you, you got answers for everybody. Like, I got, I got answers for everybody. You give me your problem, we can play. Give me your problem, and I'll give you an answer. I can, I can flip them out like this, like those big cards I had last week. I'll deal them out, all right? But when it comes to dealing with my own stuff, I really stink at it. Anybody else? And so I need other people in my life. I need others. That's why you're bad at that. So look, in the scripture, we have positive commands. Love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves, build one another up, live in harmony with one another, be like-minded toward one another, accept one another, admonish one another, care for one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, be patient with one another, speak with truth and love to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I laughed when I saw that. Can you imagine if you're talking to somebody and you, you just go, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, people are like, you really need mental health issues, okay? Um, so um, submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up, provoke, stimulate one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts of God that God has given us for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Pray for one another and confess your faults to one another. Man, wouldn't that be great if we did just three of those one another's regularly with each other? We also have some negative how not to treat one another. Don't lie to one another. Don't stop, uh, stop, no, excuse me, stop passing judgment on one another. A lot of you have opinions, and I'm going to tell you, shut up. Shut up. It ain't helping nothing. Because guess what? People got opinions on you. And if you want to hear them, 
Have a sit down and say, I'm going to tell you what I think about you. You tell me what you think about me, and you will be shocked. They might be the same things you're saying about somebody else. It says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. Anybody looked around our world? Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. There are so many one another's. And oh my, if, if we just took the new command that Jesus said, this is my command, that you love one another and do all the one another's. Man, that would change everything. It's a game changer. It's a total game changer when we see this. We believe that mental health issues are very complex. We understand that. To get healthy, we must have to deal with our physical, biological level, the chemistry that I talked about in the cards last week. And if you missed last week's sermon, go ahead and check it out. Um, we play poker, all right? Did he say he played poker in church? Yes, you'll, you'll see it, all right? In other words, my chemistry involves an overall health, diet, exercise, getting enough sleep, stress management. All these are factors that help my biology. We deal with the emotional levels and the mental levels of involving healthier ways of managing our minds and our thoughts. The Bible says we are to take every thought captive. It do, it does, the Bible has a lot to say about managing our mood, moods and managing the way we think. But the church and the families have a role in this one another. We have to deal with the relational and social aspects which, which involves our families because the problems don't just affect us, it affects those around us and the, pro- and, and the problems of those affect us. We have to learn to relate to each other a lot more healthy. We need to learn how to resolve conflict better. We have to learn to rely on a safety net of support and to build safe people into our lives and to fill our lives with the love and grace of not just God, but each other. We need to deal with this on a spiritual level because knowing Christ and the power of faith builds strong spiritual habits. Resisting the devil and and dealing with spiritual oppression that comes from evil forces around us. What I'm saying is that mental health, there's not a single answer. And anytime anyone says to you, all you need to do is just pray about this. Let me go back. If I break my leg and my compound fracture, and my bone is sticking outside of my skin, and you're saying, don't go to the hospital. All you need to do is pray about it. I'm going to look at you like you have completely lost your mind. Prayer is part of it. Prayer is part of the whole thing. But it's not all of it. It's not just one thing. Or if someone says, all you need to do is just read the Bible. That's part of it. That's not all of it. All you need is medication. Again, that's part of it. It's not all of it. it if, if mental health is such a complex issue, then the healing factors are also complex. And if it, if, if, particularly when the mind affects our mind, body, and spirit, then guess what? We need to address it in all three of those ways as well. Mind, mind body, and spiritually. That's all of it. We need to attack all areas and everything. Everybody good? Okay, this is why it says we need each other. So this is why it says in Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In Colossians, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's number two. We need each other. Number three, 
What you suffer from does not define you. What you suffer from does not define you. Scripture tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have gone or passed away, and behold, all things have become new. What I'm saying here is simply this. Your issue is not your identity. Your chemistry is not your character. It does not define you. It's a part of that definition, but it does not define you. You may struggle in many mental health issues, but that is not your identity. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity is that you are a child of God, that you are a Christian, and that you are deemed, and, and as I, if, if he is the king of kings, then that means I'm a prince, and you may be a princess. That is your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And I am not going to belittle this at all. I'm not going to say this. But there have been several programs over the years. In the early days, um, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, had a major focus on, on the faith aspect. Um, and over the years, in order to open up to many others, they've kind of pulled back on some of that thing. And, and so... Um, uh, Saddleback Church and others created Celebrate Recovery and to, to really bring back that aspect of not only a higher power, but, but, but God in the midst of that, the God that we know. And one of the things that I was thinking about in this, and I think it's, I th- you know, again, I'm not putting anything down that's helped you get to a place, but I do want to say this, that historically through AA, they've had situations where they will say, my name is Carl and I am an alcoholic. Right? One of the things that I love about what Celebrate Recovery has done is they say, I am Carl, and I'm a believer who struggles with alcohol. See, there's a different approach there when you say I, that my issue becomes my identity rather than I am a, have my identity in Christ and I have issues. See what I'm saying here? So, so I could say, I am Jack and my mind never stops working because I am ADHD Jack. I am Jack, and I am depressed many times in my life. If I make that my identity, then that becomes who I am. But the fact is, I am Jack Cohen, who is a blood-bought child of the king, who has been loved by God, who struggles with attention deficit and depression. And that will not win over me because he who is in me is greater than the issues that I have. Do you understand where I'm going with this? And that's the challenge that we all have to adapt to ourselves. We are not what our issues are, physically, mentally, or emotionally. Like, for instance, my dad was in a car accident when he was 10 years old, pronounced dead on arrival, has one leg shorter than the other. And that did not define him. It was part of his story, but what it was was the thorn in his flesh that God used to minister many years. He is not Connie Cohen, the limpy cripple guy. And he's laughing right now as he's watching that. That's not who he is. Now, people who don't know him may say, oh, he's the one with a built-up shoe that limps. Yes, that's him, but that's not who he is. He is somebody who the Holy Spirit used a situation and a thorn and a weakness in his life to raise God up higher. Everybody with me? And so when you have those things in your life, don't look at them as your identity. Look at them as an opportunity for God to use that weakness to increase his kingdom and his power. So let me ask you, does any, has anyone ever done anything in your life, anything in your life, 
that the enemy keeps bringing back up to try to label you. Don't get caught there because it's not your identity. Your burden today will not be your burden tomorrow. You may have something that's a continual thorn in the flesh, but as God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for these things. So that's number three. And the last one, number four. This is what the fourth person, remember, these are the four friends. The fourth person, we got to get them to Jesus. We need to all get to Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We've got to get people to Jesus. You see, the friends knew that they were going to wait in line and it was going to be longer than the lines you waited in to vote. They knew it was going to be longer than any line in history and that Jesus was probably going to take a break and be gone before they got there. And they said, my friend has an issue. And you know, they knew his issue, but that didn't define him. So they said, let's remove any kind of obstacle to get them to Jesus. And they did that. They removed the crowd. They removed the roof. They removed the fact that he couldn't walk. You know, there's a, a, there's a, anybody ever watch any of these videos, like these workout videos? Okay, there's a workout video called Body Beast. Anybody heard of that, Body Beast? I, don't confuse it, it's not named after me. Um, but Body Beast, and in the beginning of these videos, it's not that funny. All right, so in the beginning of these videos, Body Beast videos, they have uh, an advertisement on each of these for vitamins. And there's this lady there selling vitamins, and she makes a statement. Exercise only works if you do it. Vitamins only work if you take them. And I was thinking about her first statement. Exercise only works if you do it. See, as I, as I look, there is a pattern and a process. It is not just, I don't, I don't go to the gym and go, jumping jacks, okay, I'm done. Whew, thank God. That. No, I don't go and I just say, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and work, on my, work on my thumbs. Okay, now my whole body, now I, now I expect to have a six-pack, all right? It's not how it works. When I go to the gym, each day I have about five or six workouts that are geared to target areas. And some days I work, want to work harder on another one because that area is weaker. And, you know, one of the things I've avoided doing for a long while has been legs because I think genetically they ain't too bad, you know, all right? And the other thing is, because when I do legs for the first time, I will not be able to move for four days. You know why? Because I neglected them. And they're going to say, stop, don't mess with me. And I'll be like, never again, you know, and like this. But then after about day three or four, and I go back in and work them again, they don't have a problem anymore, and they get stronger. And I know it's hard to believe, but they even look better. <laughs> when I go, I do those exercises to target the areas, and then I'll go ahead and I'll do cardio. You see, it's a lot of different things to increase the whole being, and often I'll put something in, song, video, something, to keep the mind working and geared together. 
And just to let you know, sitting in church is only part of the exercise that we need to do when it comes to spiritual and mental health and emotional health. This is only part of it. There's a lot of other things, a lot of other exercises. There's reading, there's prayer, there's fellowship, there's study, there's worship, all those things working together. And so what I want to say is, I believe that God knew that you would be hearing this today. A thousand years before you were born, God knew that you needed to hear this. I believe that he wants you to sit down and just get still and quiet for a little bit so he can say this to you. We'll use Matt. Matt, you matter to me. You matter to me. I've seen all your pain, all the torment, all the torture in your heart. The pain that's not on the outside, but that's in your mind and your soul. I've grieved with you, and I've wept tears with you, and I love you. I created you, and I formed you, and I have a plan for your life. It's greater than the pain that you've been going through. So God says, regardless of what you feel about yourself and the pain that has been speaking to you, I want you to hear that you are valuable to God. You are his priceless treasure. And regardless of what other people think about you, if they rejected you, you are acceptable and loved by him. You are lovable, you're forgivable, and you're able to be used by God. God wants to take you through this pain to the other side and give you a witness and a testimony of helping others who are going through with what you are going through right now. You may feel like you're the only person who's ever experienced that, and I'm going to tell you, no, you're not. And there's other people who have been silent, other people who have been in pain, other people who are broken. There are other mats laying on stretchers that need their friends to pick them up and get them to Jesus. You may feel like this pain is a wall that's too high to get over. But let me tell you, when you get on the other side of that, you're going to face a future. And together, we will all help you get there. And that's why the role of the church in mental health needs to be better than it's ever been before. Because we haven't done a good job. We haven't been the friends who grabbed Matt and taken him there. Oh, we're good about when people need to go ahead and they're struggling in their finances or they're having going in for surgery and those kind of things. Yeah, we're really good about that. But somebody comes to me and said, they diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder. We say, oh, okay. I'll pray for you. Just pray about it. We have a different ideology about that. When Jesus says, love the borderline personality, Matt. Bring them to me. Rip off the roof. Their identity is not that label. No, see, they are a believer who struggles with borderline personality disorder, which makes them my child. Take care of my kids. Each of you, your family, love one another. That's the new command they gave to you. Seems simple. We haven't done a good job at it as a church universal, have we? So right now, I ask that we just pray. Father, we... We come to you, and I want to just ask right now for, for forgiveness for your church. Where we've bought into the lies of Satan. We've bought into the, the confusion of our world. We've entered into a place where we would rather label than love. Love. 
we've increased areas where of division where there should be unity. God, it's no mistake because I know, uh, as we sang earlier, you're the everlasting God. You do not sleep and you don't go weary. And yet, God, I'm just going to give you a, a dumb update. Our world is a wreck. And there are many mats. Many people are hurting. Many people who, uh, who don't know where to turn. And God, the church has not been loving one another as we should. And so God, help us to be those friends. To suffer with one another. To bear with one another. To love one another. To rip off roofs and get people to Jesus. And all those other things, God. So, as the pastor of this church, I'm going to say, God, that we're going to do what is right. We're going to hold the biblical, the historical, and the practical examples of your love. And so, God, for anybody in the sound of my voice right now who is, who is struggling, who has been labeled something by someone else or even by their own mind, I pray that they will hear that they are not their identity. I mean, that their identity is not their illness or their issue. But those who who come to the Lord, that you are God's children. The old has gone and the new has come, that your identity is new. Yes, God, there may be somebody who's an alcoholic or has been told they're an alcoholic, but they're a child of God who struggles with alcohol. There may be somebody who is depressed and they're not just a bore or just a, a down all the time. They are a child of God who struggles with depression. Whatever our issues may be, God, right now as we sing this last song, come to the altar. I pray that whether physically we walk down and make an altar somewhere or whether, God, we, we make an altar right where we are, that, that forgiveness and healing are here for you and that God wants to take your struggles and the pain that you're going through and get you over the wall to the, to the life of hope and the plan that he has for you, which is greater than all your struggles. So God, speak into our hearts right now. And let us just be loved and love one another. In your name we pray. Amen.
Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he
Amen, everyone. Have a great week in the Lord, and we're going to do another week next week. I'm not sure what it is because I messed up this week, but it worked. Hey, all right? Have a great week. God bless.